hello, my name's Pete, this is Social Distance. It's like, oh, I began slowly, and then I picked up the pace, didn't I? Yes. That was over two seconds. That was very bad. Very bad of me. Say, so, uh, there was the hello was, anyway, I'll get over it. You know, I'll live another day. I'm full of strong stuff, me. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, hello, this is Monday morning. We are waiting for the sausage to do his sausage fest. But we kind of know what to expect, you know. As, uh, the problem with this guy is that he doesn't know how to um, surprise. He's lost the element of surprise. <laughs> and everything is leaked in the paper. It's unbelievable, you know. Old Cummings is out on his ear, but still... Everything's being leaked to the papers beforehand, so there's no element of surprise. It's just, uh, you know, just from a kind of narrative point of view, it's fucking sloppy. Um, so I watched The Crown last night, the one episode that interested me. I'm not really interested. I couldn't give a toss about the royal family at all. and um, But I'm quite interested in... Uh, UK politics you probably picked up on that couldn't haven't you yeah and so the crown uh, Gillian Anderson who's a fantastic actor plays um, Margaret Thatcher and so I watched the final episode of the new season season four um, which is called war and that's the episode where Thatcher is chucked out it's quite well done um, you know quite interesting I suppose quite good I mean I do like Gillian Anderson so I just thought well let's just check out how good she is at doing Thatcher and she's very good at doing Thatcher and it must have been quite intimidating for all those um, you know kind of men in grey suits to go up to Thatcher one by one and say I oh I'm supporting you I oh mate me oh, I'm so loyal yeah the problem is other people other people, you know, you're slipping with them because, you know, you look at the opinion polls, you look at the fucking mess you've made and you're losing support, Thatcher. But me, oh, no, you don't need to question me about my loyalty to you, Margaret. I am very loyal. Um, so anyway, uh, there we go. There's the crown. And also big news. Um, with regard to the vaccine amazing great news the vaccines so news this morning about the oxford astrazeneca vaccine they the, the it's being uh announced in the press as being around about 70 percent um efficacy but when you look into the details there are two ways that they've tested uh, administering it one is uh, where they adjusted the first dose. They gave a lower amount for the first dose and then a bigger amount for the second dose a month later. And if you do that, then they get 90% efficacy. So that's the one that they're going with, obviously, because the other one was something like 68% or something like that, 60 something percent. Um, so they thought, well, fuck that, you know, other one. They obviously they're publishing their findings. You know they don't have anything to hide. They're not interested in doing a fast one here. They're just like saying, oh well, this is what we found in the um, you know phase three trial, and it looks like one way of administering the doses 
is more effective than the other way. So let's go with that. So that's really good news because, well, there's a couple of things. Obviously, one is that if you use less vaccine, there's more to go around. And also, two, is that it uh, inhibits um, asymptomatic transmission, which is fantastic. So it doesn't, and I think this is a different thing to the others, uh, to the, um, you know, the, the first two that have been announced, the Pfizer and the Moderna one uh, ones. This one uh, gets on top of the asymptomatic um, people as well. Yep, it sorts out the asymptomatic people as well. I'm very much a doctor when I talk about this. Now, why is that important? Well, there's a couple of things have happened in the last day or so which makes it really important. The CDC in the United States, the Centers for Disease Control, they are now saying that over 50% of transmission is from asymptomatic people. Now, no surprise there. We kind of knew for a long time we've been wondering what that asymptomatic count is. And we were thinking, like, like you know, it could be anywhere. But, like, you know, loyal listeners will remember way, way months and months back we were saying, like, you know, is it is anywhere between 20% to 70%? Well, let's call it 50%. And I've been kind of using that 50 benchmark basically just because it's in the middle of, of 20 and 70. Do you know what I mean? But um, it looks like that 50% benchmark is correct. So just post me the Nobel Prize. <laughs> and um, so so how do we know that? Well, the, uh, the REACT study, the kind of big, you know, 100,000 uh, uh, people constantly being tested, uh, kind of random people constantly being tested, different 100,000 per... Um, you know, grouping or per kind of result, if you like, um, out of, who's that? University College London, I think it is, is it? I don't know who the fuck it is, but someone. Um, and you remember a couple of weeks ago, somebody uh, wrote in and said, this, this is the details, and I read out the letter. Do you remember that person that still hasn't been named? No, that's shocking. And um, so the REACT study says that it's about... 50% of the people that have COVID-19 are asymptomatic. And also now CDC is saying this as well. So clearly now, you know, it's important that a vaccine uh, helps people that are asymptomatic. So this is really, really, really excellent news. They are going to um, change, maybe totally ditch, but certainly change the requirement to... Um, self-isolate for 14 days in the UK. So the idea is that if you're zapped by the NHS test and trace, or if you've kind of told by your employer or you just let know yourself, if you're contacted by someone who says, oh my God, I've got it, the idea is that you, and you've you know had contact with that person obviously, is that you go into isolation for 14 days, now, test and trace results come out every week and it's just appalling. Like, basically, nobody's doing it. It's around about, I don't know, like 15% or maybe even less than that who actually do it for 14 days. So why do people not do it? Well, as we've discussed in the past, basically, it's because 
uh, you know, they're not feeling symptoms, they don't have symptoms, even if they do have symptoms, there's a good chance that they're not massively um, bedeviled by the thing, you know? And also, there's no support in place for people to actually self-isolate in the UK. So you can't just phone up your boss. In most jobs, you can't just phone up your job boss and say, oh, sorry, I've got the call. I'm there 14 days, but I will be paid, won't I? Yeah, fine, you know? Of course, people aren't like that, unfortunately, uh, bosses. I like that. In loads and loads of, maybe not most people, but in lots and lots of cases, your boss will have a problem with that if you do that. And so, and also, of course, the relationship between the boss and the employer comes into play as well, yeah? Because not everyone has got the fucking chutzpah to phone up and say, sorry, pal, but I got the call from Test and Trace NHS. So, you know, sling you work for 14 days. I'm on my own. Uh, of course, also, the other massive thing is that a lot of people don't have 14 days worth of savings. So whether the boss is happy to do it or not, if they're not going to um, pay you the wages of that 14 days, then uh, you're not going to get uh, through. And sick pay is nothing. Like the actual, um, you know, kind of uh, legislated sick pay that you get in the UK is something, I don't know what it is, but it's like 90 quid a week or something like that. Like it's, you know, not going to be anywhere close to the uh, to the average pay or even minimum wage. Like full-time minimum wage is obviously far more than 90 quid a week. So people are being forced to continue to work. And that is the reason why, uh, you know, this 11% or whatever it is figure exists this non-compliance with um, self-isolating. So instead of that, the idea is that, so that, so they might shrink that, that's one idea that's going around. So they might say, well, instead of 14 days, it's seven days, for instance. But I mean, what the fuck is the point in that? You know what I mean? Like, so you might as well, you know. So the idea is that they're going to replace this with, um, with, with mass testing. So if you're in that position, you will get tested every day. Now, why is that? Now, first of all, with anything to do with the sausage, I'll believe it when I see it. And there has been so many times in the last couple of months where they've talked about mass testing. The only amount of mass testing they've done in any way is in, in, is in uh, Liverpool, whereby in Liverpool they've tested 200,000 people out of half a million people. So 200,000 out of 500,000, not bad, but they've been testing in um, Liverpool for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Uh, well, not weeks and weeks and weeks, but like at least two weeks, yeah? And they can't test, you know, a, a city of 500,000 people within two weeks. There's places around the world that are testing, you know, millions of people over the course of a weekend, you know? So... We've got to get our shit together in terms of if this is the way out, this mass testing idea, then that's um, the, then it has to work. The idea that you uh, uh, you get a test, a quick test that gives you a positive or a negative every day instead of self-isolating, um, in theory, that might be an excellent way of actually detecting people that have got it. Because at the moment, you're only supposed to get a um, test if you're symptomatic. So there's a good chance that, and well, we know that this is happening. 
you're buzzed by NHS Test and Trace um, uh, app or told by somebody you've got to self-isolate, you don't have any symptoms because you're asymptomatic, but you do have it. But because you don't have any symptoms, you're not going to get a test. And you're sitting at home, maybe you're like, you know, you sit there, it's a Friday, you're told, you say, okay, well, I'll take Friday off. And then you sit in Saturday, Sunday, you think, well, actually, I'm going to go to work on Monday because I feel absolutely fine. And you are going to feel fine. You're not going to develop uh, symptoms because you're one of the 50% of people that are asymptomatic. But you've got it and you're shedding the fucking thing at work on Monday. Okay. And then other people get it. And that's where the problem bloody lies. Now, if you've got a test on Friday, it comes back positive, then that's going to change your calculation. Totally, that's going to change your calculation. Now, there are a small group of people that think, oh, fuck it, even though I've got COVID-19, I'm going to go to work. But if you really think about it, are most people going to do that? Well, obviously, they're not going to fucking do that. Even if they're uh, like feeling okay, they're going to say to their boss, oh my God, it's come back positive. And then the boss is going to say, oh my God, I've got a responsibility to this person who have got, who's got COVID-19. Totally different situation to getting a call from somebody saying, well, I feel fine and I want to come to work because I want to make money. Um, but, you know, what do you think, boss? Yeah. So it changes the balance of all of these things totally. And also, if it's a negative on uh, Friday... Then will it be if if the person has actually got it and it's some freak test that doesn't work? Then maybe the next test. What are the chances that two tests don't work? What are the chances that three tests don't work? So if you're getting tested every day and you've got it, then of course it's going to show that you have it. I don't know why, but probably because the contracts with Serco and Deloitte or whoever the fuck it is uh, ascertain and it hasn't been leaked yet that they're going, they've got it for like a year or whatever, you know, so I don't know why they haven't done what everybody's been asking them to do for months and months and months and just give it to the local uh, public health figures and the local authorities to run with it and to kind of, you know, do it. But they haven't done that and they've wasted the opportunity to do that during lockdown. You know, lockdown's got uh, just under two weeks to run, about 10 days or so to run. but, you know, if it, and it's a big if as well, because of course, promises are, you know, cheap with the sausage in charge, you know. But if it does actually come about that they replace self isolate with a daily reliable test, then it might be a good thing. <laughs> Bump into everyone, say, have you heard, have you heard the news? There is a podcast called Social Distancer. Share it, like it, astound your friends. Everything you want to hear about. The greatest public health emergency in any of our lives. Four times a week and it is free. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays and an omnibus on Sundays. Fucking great elsewhere. Those quick turnaround tests have got a 60% 
um, success rate apparently because uh, you have to do it yourself do it yourself and apparently swabbing the back of your neck <laughs> the back of your throat is quite difficult and loads of people can't do it so it's only a 60% success rate so that might mean that the wheels come off the entire endeavor nevertheless um, you know we'll, we'll see the, the, the budget for testing has um, been doubled 22 billion I think um, the researcher said uh, but that could be wrong now um, good news for my favorite scientist in the whole wide world Sarah Gilbert who I've mentioned a number of times uh, not for a while though but a number of times and she's getting uh, quite a lot of publicity rightly so for her excellent design of the um, Oxford vaccine and Andrew Pollard is up there with Sausage Johnson himself and rubbing his shoulders with Chris Whitty and he's the uh, head of the Oxford vaccine group and um, so that's all very exciting very exciting now one quick word on the success of Melbourne I absolutely love Melbourne it's one of the best cities in the planet it's the best it, I mean it's not the best but it's definitely up there top two it's either Melbourne or London basically I mean it's not nowhere is London you know what I mean apart from London so number two not bad is it I mean not bad Melbourne and Melbourne have had a fantastic success been really tough uh, no fucking around you know very hard lockdown for three months a ring of steel around the city guarded by police uh, so you weren't allowed to leave the city and then the whole of Victoria the state of Victoria was um, sanctioned off as well so you weren't allowed to leave Victoria but it worked and they are returning to life as normal they've had zero cases for three weeks now I think at least two weeks so congratulations Melbourne fantastic news really brilliant once again it shows that if you get on top of it and if you're super hyper aggressive on it then you know the, the, it's obviously much better for your economy because you can get back to normal you know people are walking around and you know just like it's like normal life has returned it's incredible and whereas you know massive great swathes of uh, the world including ours are going to have to wait for the vaccine or oh, another thing on the oxford vaccine as well um it's different from the other two that have been uh, uh kind of highlighted in the recent couple of weeks because you don't need to freeze the bloody thing right you can just refrigerate it you treat it like any other vaccine you refrigerate it and that means that it can be uh, distributed around the world much much easier you don't need to have these you know kind of hyper freeze zones in place so the uh, Pfizer one you've got to freeze it to a ridiculous temperature like you know minus bollocks <laughs> Um, which is very very cold <laughs> and um, you know so you've got to with the Oxford one you don't need to worry about that like you know everywhere it's got fridges obviously so that's really good it's also cheaper and um, they also have got done this deal with AstraZeneca whereby um, during the pandemic 
uh, AstraZeneca aren't going to make any money off it. So they're just going to roll it out as a as a kind of you know public health initiative to try to get on top of the pandemic. I mean, I've probably you know in a couple of whatever it will be in a couple of years maybe or maybe you know in a year's time there'll be lots of headlines about you know when it's a pandemic not a pandemic type thing you know and it probably will be that some people in AstraZeneca are saying at that point now's the time to start charging you know um anyway well that's you know it seems slightly obscure to worry about that at the moment but so really good news basically you know this vaccine thing is really good with the tiers yeah no surprise with the tiers it's uh, going to be a bit tighter so in tier three uh, restaurants and pubs are going to close in tier two you can only go to the pub if you're going to get a meal so in a way tier three has become tier two um, or sorry I should say that tier two has become tier three and tier three has got uh, stricter sage wanted tier four so again you know he's not going with sage's advice on this and he's trying to find some kind of compromise uh, you know i mean will it get down will it will it um uh help the uh, cases get down well we've got christmas coming up and shops are going to be open and you know there isn't general adherence to the guide well maybe there's a general adherence but there's not an overwhelming adherence to the guidelines and to the restrictions in place so you know we'll have to see but you know things aren't dropping as quickly as they need to and they're waiting for the data on thursday to tell people what tier they're going to be in um tier one i mean you know, there's not much change apart from you can stay in the pub until 11. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, is there any other change? I don't think there's any significant change in tier one at all, actually. At all, actually. Or maybe that you need to buy some food when you get a drink as well. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't been to the pub for a long, long time. So, um, anyway, uh, just a, one final thing. Carl Bernstein, the, uh, the guy who broke the Watergate story, alongside Bob Woodward, who's been in the press a lot recently because of his explosive book on uh, the Trump White House. Bernstein uh, kind of outed a number of Republicans on CNN and also on Twitter as well. He writes, I'm not violating any pledge of journalistic confidentiality in reporting this. 21 Republican senators in conversations with colleagues, staff members, lobbyists, and with House aides, uh, sorry, White House aides, have repeatedly expressed extreme contempt for Trump and his fitness to be President of the United States. The 21 GOP senators who have privately expressed their disdain for Trump are Portman, Alexander, Sass, Blunt, Collins, Bukowski, Cornyn, Thune, Romney, Braun. Young, Tim Scott, Rick Scott, Rubio, Grassley, Burr, Toomey, McSally, Moran, Roberts, Shelby, Spobo, Loppy, and Peep. Is <laughs> Trumpton. <laughs> With few exceptions, their craven public silence has helped enable Trump's most grievous, grievous conduct 
including undermining and discrediting the US uh, electoral system. He's a good writer, isn't he? Old Bernstein getting in on the bloody act there, isn't he? So that's good, isn't it? I don't know what um, all those pricks say about it, including the Rubio, for instance, who's very outwardly supporting of, of Trump. Um, Romney, we know, is a critic of Trump and Sass as well. Trump, Trump and Sass as well, but, you know, a couple of them. Uh, anyway, right, let's see. What should we think of? Can we think of some uh, a, a creature that is a triangle in shape? Are there any triangle-shaped creatures out there in the world? Um, maybe Triangle Man? You know that song by There Might Be Giants? Um, triangle... Must be a fish that's triangle shaped fish. The striped angel fish is a triangle fish. Beautiful, beautiful. Think about a triangle swimming along with a bloody fin on it and uh, and a tail on it, and then you got it. Got it in your mind's eye, have you? Good. One, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Take care of yourselves. Thank you ever so much. For getting in touch and saying that you're enjoying the show it's much appreciated much appreciated and uh next show is on wednesday so we've got pmqs and um where, when's he coming out of hiding that bloody trumpy yeah that johnsony the sausage what's going on maybe are we in the i don't know you probably won't really no anyway um it broke down today ridiculously the Zoom stopped working when he was taking questions in the House of Commons remotely because he's still self-isolating and it broke. What bloody farce. And old Hattie Mancock had to take over. Jesus, what a bloody letdown. Anyway, take care. Thanks for listening. Bye.